Welcome to your personal branding podcast with Bernard Kelvin Clive, your number one career and business podcast in Ghana, bringing you expert interviews and insights into personal branding, personal development, and publishing. Now, here's your host, Bernard Kelvin Clive. All right, welcome to another edition of your personal branding podcast. I'm your host, Bernard Kelvin Clive. And in this particular episode, we're going to have interaction with my friend John Vespasian. John Vespasian is an author of seven books about rational living, including Rationality is the Way to Happiness, The Ten Principles of Rational Living, Rational Living, Rational Working, and Consistency, The Key to Permanent Stress Relief. We're going to look at all these things briefly, but today our focus subject of discussion will look at the philosophy of builders. You want to know how to build a great future of the pieces from your past. My guest today is John Vespasian. John, welcome to the podcast show. Uh, many thanks, uh, Bernard Kelvin. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I treasure. Now, John, in the subject of personal branding, how to build a solid brand like the genius of the past, we are going to look at the philosophy of great builders or builders from the book, from your book, and how to build a great future, I'll put it how to build a great brand of the pieces from your past. Now, before we delve deeper, can you tell us a little bit more about who John Vespasian is? Yes, I'm, a, I'm an author uh, specializing in um, rational living, which is a branch of uh, personal development. And what makes uh, this branch special is that um, we try to develop um, ourselves, I mean, to, to become better persons by focusing on rationality, which does not mean that uh, we don't pay attention to emotions. I think emotions are important, but we also pay attention to facts, uh, to logic. And the purpose of my books is to show people how they can improve their lives um, by means of examples. So this is not theory. It, all my books are about uh, examples from, uh, from real people from the past. I analyze their lives, uh, the mistakes they made, uh, the success they had, and I try to draw conclusions that uh, people can use uh, in their own lives. And what I try to avoid in my books is uh, magical thinking. I mean, I'm really very skeptical about uh, positive thinking, law of attraction, and these kind of theories mm. that I find um, questionable because very often they lead people in the wrong direction they push people to do uh, things that are unrealistic. And I think uh, that the rational approach for um, uh, self-development is much more effective. Mm. Oh, Maybe in a nutshell, what is rational thinking or rational living? Yeah, rational living is a, is a simple theory. Um, it predicates that uh, you can do much better in life in the long term if you try to stay calm and take rational decisions. So it means that uh, every time you have a problem or every time you have to make a decision, uh, you just uh, take time to make the right decision and you try to be rational and to look at the positive and the negative factors without being uh, overly enthusiastic and without paying too much attention to, uh, to propaganda. This is very simple in theory, but it's very, very difficult to do because all human beings... Uh, we are subject to, um, to suggestion, to influences, to advertising, um, and we listen uh, in the media, and uh, we read the newspapers, we read many wrong ideas all the time, 
and it's very difficult to remain rational. So the ideas that I preach in my books, uh, I don't, I don't um, sustain that people can be 100% rational. I think this is impossible. <laughs> but if you try to be rational most of the time, which is already very difficult, if you try to be rational most of the time, in the long term, you will do very well. Mm. And then before, we are going to point out some few things, how you can begin to become to think or more rationally in, in approach of the things, especially when you have to do to, to, to decide or make a decision on the sports. How do you rationalize through that? Yes, uh, in, my, uh, in my book, um, The Philosophy of Builders, um, and by builders I mean builders of, uh, of better lives, not just uh, builders of uh, buildings, um, what I try to offer is many examples of situations where people have to make important decisions. And I draw conclusions uh, that are applicable to your career, uh, relationships, uh, investments. And if I just uh, may uh, mention a couple of examples, one of the principles that uh, I propose in this book is that when you're dealing with, uh, with situations that are chaotic and you're dealing with problems that come in from all directions, the first uh, strategy is not to become positive when the situation is negative, which usually is a waste of time. The first step that I propose in my books is that you have to stabilize the situation. You have, you have to stop the bleeding. You have to prevent the situation from getting worse. You have to achieve a stability. And this is, uh, seems like uh, something that is not very ambitious, but it's critical. Because when you are dealing with uh, massive problems with your health, finances, uh, your job or whatever it is, if you try to become uh, ridiculously uh, enthusiastic and positive and say, oh, everything is for the best, oh, everything is going, to be, is going to be all right, it really doesn't allow you to focus. You really have to identify the major problems and you have to find a temporary solution so that they don't get worse. And then you can build on that. And I want to give you an example from the book mm-hmm. uh, which comes in the first chapter. And it's the story, the, I say, my story of Leonardo da Vinci. Because uh, we always uh, hear about Leonardo da Vinci, that he was the great genius, he painted uh, the Mona Lisa, and he did all these uh, things, and he drew uh, uh, airplanes, I mean, all these kind of stories. And certainly Leonardo da Vinci was very clever and he was a genius, but he never achieved much in life. I mean, you have to realize that uh, if you try to be a Leonardo da Vinci nowadays, you will never get anywhere. It would be a complete waste of your time, a complete waste of your life. Because if you take a look, a realistic look at the life of Leonardo da Vinci, you see that this guy uh, tried many things. I mean, he produced some paintings, he designed some buildings, he made drawings for some books, he made some drawings for some sculptures, but basically most things he did never actually were finished. I mean, he left when he died just a few paintings. I mean, they were very good paintings. He just left a few paintings. He never really made uh, much money in his life. When he died, he died in France because he left uh, Italy because he thought he could make more money in France. It was uh, it was not really the case. Uh, he didn't even have a house because he was uh, getting a house uh, from the king of France. So he was not... I mean, he really never had a very comfortable life and never really focus on any particular area because he tried to be a sculptor, he tries to be a, he tries to be a builder of of churches, um, and this is not something that is a good idea nowadays. I think you have to focus, you have to stabilize your life, you have to decide what you want to do, 
and you should not try to be like Leonardo da Vinci. I think this kind of um, of histories are very romantic, but um, I don't think that are leading people in the right direction. So, so what about if somebody thinks that he or she is gifted uh, and multifaceted to do multiple things just like Leonardo da Vinci did in those years? What advice would you give such a person? Well, all of us um, have many talents and you can, I mean, you have time and you have resources. Uh, you can develop many talents. I mean, for, for, for instance, uh, a person who is good uh, with words can be a writer, can be a speaker, can be a lawyer, can be a teacher. I mean, you can develop many careers uh, based on your talents, but uh, you really have to focus because uh, human life, I mean, you have to, to, to realize that uh, most of the time uh, you are going to have to make decisions about resources, about time. And there is a lot of competition. Now you have global competition in the world. And unless you focus on a few things, I mean, not only one thing, maybe you want to focus on two things or maybe on three things. If you try to, to, uh, to shoot uh, in all directions, uh, you will never hit the target. You could be lucky, and some people are very lucky, but I don't think this is a way to, uh, to structure your life. And I want to give you another example that uh, comes in the book, another, another principle. And this is the principle that I consider a basic principle of rational living, that when you take uh, major decisions that are going to affect your life, you have to think in terms of a lifetime. You have to think that uh, most people nowadays, they live in their 80s, sometimes in their 90s, or, or even they become 100 years old. And um, this is how you make the important decisions. You have to look uh, into the future and say, okay, uh, what is going to be my career? What is going to be my future? What is going to be my, uh, my investment strategy? And you have to look at your life like a unity of uh, 80, 90 years. Because if you look um, only to the short term, people tend to panic to make uh, stupid decisions that they will regret uh, later on. And this is why many people just drop out of school and they start uh, taking, uh, uh, going in the wrong direction. And I think um, it's very important to build in yourself the idea that, normally speaking, you are going to live 80, 90 years if you take a bit uh, care of your health, and you have to make the decisions in this perspective. Otherwise, you will make mistake after mistake. Mm, but how are you going to project that I'm, you're going to live around 70, 90 years and this are the path that's going to lead me to more, a more successful and fulfilling life? How do you find and how do you know that? Well, uh, this is the average. And uh, another principle that I propose in my books is that it is much safer uh, to take decisions based on statistics than on positive thinking. And if you want to, uh, to take decisions in your life and that make sense and that uh, they give you a reasonable chance of success, it's very good to look at the, at the reality and at the statistics and say, okay, I want to become a speaker, I want to become a lawyer, I want to become a doctor. And this is something that you can achieve. Normally speaking, you can find the school, you can find the finance uh, to do your studies, you can find a job. This is feasible because there is a big market. And it's a, I think um, even if you start without any education, this is a realistic goal nowadays because there are many schools and there are different uh, opportunities. But if you choose a goal like I want to be a Hollywood actor or I want to be, a, I don't know, a TV presenter, mm -hmm. it might be possible that you have to be realistic that the market is very, very small. I mean, the, the, the number of people uh, that really make a lot of money in, uh, in movies as an actor Yes, there are a few hundred in the world, 
but it, the market is really very small. So I think when you take this kind of decisions, it's very good to be rational, to be realistic, and to assess your chances. And uh, most of the time, it is much better to use your talent in a market that is relatively wide. Mm, interesting there. You mentioned about we taking measures to prevent problems and uh, how to simplify our life and reduce costs. And how does this philosophy help in this age? Well, this is uh, super important because uh, one of the wrong ideas that you hear all the time in the media is that uh, you should go for it, uh, you should uh, follow your dreams, and you should uh, put all your uh, savings in your uh, enterprise and this kind of stuff. It's pushing people to take extremely high risks. And um, on the contrary, the ideas that I propose in my books is that it's very nice to, uh, to take risks and to go for, um, for new adventures, but you should always leave a margin of safety because um, the possibility of failure is always there. Sometimes uh, people, um, they work very hard, they are very clever, but then they are unlucky because, I mean, in business, um, even if you have a good plan and you implement it, sometimes you're just unlucky because the, the market falls apart or there is a recession and then you lose your money. So whatever you do or whatever um, ambitions you may have, always leave some margin of error, always keep some savings, always keep some possibility of, um, of starting from scratch because uh, it can happen. And uh, this is one of the stories that comes uh, in my book. It's the story mm -hmm. of uh, Grandma Moses, who was a very famous uh, painter in the United States. Um, she died uh, some years ago, but uh, she spent basically her whole life uh, in a farm in the U.S. Uh, with her husband. I mean, they have, um, they have uh, a farm... Um, and she was dealing with, uh, I mean, like a housewife, she was dealing with a house, with the children and this kind of stuff. And then she started to make some money uh, as a tailor. She was uh, sewing clothes and she made some money. And then when, she, when her husband died, she was, um, I think at the time she was 65, 66. Mm. I mean, she was already quite old. But at that moment, um, the situation changed and she had to find a solution. And she thought about what she could do to earn some money because she had also arthritis in her, in her fingers and uh, there were some constraints. And what is really great about the story is that uh, she looked at the markets and said, okay, I think I could paint um, as an artist and I could produce some paintings. And of course, everybody told her, oh, you're crazy, you will never make it. But um, she was very clever. I mean, she was a very clever lady. She was uh, old, but uh, she had seen many things in her life. And uh, she was able to, uh, to actually develop a very successful career as a painter because she used her age, uh, old age, as an asset. And uh, she started to sell some paintings and then she, she came on the radio and the television. And within only a few years, even if she was not a great artist because she was never able to draw very well, but she was very good at, at colors, within a few years, uh, she used her only asset, which was actually for most people a disadvantage, but she used her age as a publicity factor. Uh, within five years, she was extremely famous, and uh, she sold many paintings in the United States. And nowadays, you can find uh, paintings of uh, Grandma Moses uh, all around the place. So the idea that I present in the books is that you have to look at your life uh, as 80, 90 years old. Actually, she lived to be 100, almost 100 years old. And you have to take advantage of your opportunities and your assets. Being realistic 
uh, on what you can achieve. And many times uh, you will find yourself in situations that are confusing, that uh, do not allow you to make uh, easy, de easy decisions. But if you just uh, take a bit of time and look at your assets, normally speaking, you will find the solution. Okay, so let's move on to other ways you need to put your pieces together. Uh. Uh, yes, uh, I would like to mention um, uh, one, of the, one of the principles that uh, comes from my books. Absolutely, I would say, atypical, unusual, uh, because uh, one of the ideas that I, I really underline many times is that um, you have to be realistic about um, about your possibilities. And this is, for, for all of us, uh, sometimes uh, difficult to accept, but you have to really look at the market and see um, what you can do that you really like to do, but at the same time has a good market. And in, the, in my books, I present uh, many examples of people uh, in difficult uh, situations that managed to become very successful. And I also present many examples of, uh, of failure. And one of the stories I really, I particularly like is the story of uh, Vivaldi, who was um, a famous musician in uh, Europe, basically 17th century. And Vivaldi, uh, basically he was working for the church, uh, doing um, um, religious music, and he started uh, to compose music for the, for the commercial market, for the theater, little by little. And he became uh, relatively wealthy, comfortable. He lived in Venice, and um, he became uh, very prestigious. And at a certain moment, when he was already quite established, he made a huge mistake, a mistake uh, that many people make uh, still nowadays, and you see it all over the place. Mm. And Vivaldi, at that moment, uh, pushed by some friends because uh, they was, he was completely misguided, they told him, yeah, Antonio, you are the best, you can make anything you want, you can become the most famous musician in Europe. And they pushed him and they pushed him and they pushed him to take risks, and he made a huge mistake. Because then he thought, okay, I'm going out to try to find possibilities for performances all around Europe. And he started to find, to look for uh, performances in other Italian cities. He tried in Switzerland. He tried in Austria. And basically he lost everything. He lost his job. He lost his market in Venice. He lost his savings because he completely um, underestimated the problems. He didn't realize that the market was really very small at the time and that it was very difficult to find uh, an agent and to find bookings for his performances and that it was very, 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 very cumbersome to travel from one city to the other. So after a few years, the, possibly the greatest genius in, um, in music at that time, before Mozart, uh, Vivaldi ended up completely destitute, and actually he died on his way to, to uh, Vienna to try to find a job. So these kind of problems, which are historical uh, comparisons, you find it today all the time. You find people uh, developing a good career and then they get uh, distracted by some shiny object. Mm -hmm. they, strike, they, they, they go into, in the wrong direction and they destroy their lives. And this is why in my books I'm always so skeptical of this uh, positive thinking. I think it's much better to assess your strategy realistically, to have a good margin of error, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You just continue uh, with the baseline. But you should not put all your resources on one enterprise uh, because there is always the, the chance of failure. 
you you saying that we shouldn't bank our, all our hopes on one thing with just a positive thinking, but we should look, make sure we have research data to prove the things we are doing before we pursue that? Well, uh, you can put uh, most of your time and resources on one thing, but you should always keep a reserve. Uh, you could shoot a reserve because there could be a recession, there could be bad times, you could fall sick and possibly be incapacitated uh, to work full-time. I mean, many things can happen. And this is why it's always good to have some margins, to have some savings, to leave the possibility of error, uh, to keep it always in your mind. To, this will prevent, prevent you from making uh, terrible mistakes. So what, what do you think in this age will somebody who wants to do great things with his life and his, his talents as a genius in this 21st century digital age of information. What are the three relevant things that a person must do based on your philosophy of builders? Well, um, I would give some ideas because, I mean, it's not only three things. I mean, you have to be uh, persistent, you have to be focused, you have to be um, uh, motivated but if I have to give an advice that you will not hear very often, mm-hmm. uh, I say that uh, people have to read books. And they have to read books, even if they read uh, stupid books, because many people, many people would not have a, a developed uh, literary taste, because, I mean, like everything, like music or like food, I mean, you need some, some experience to, to actually develop your taste. Otherwise, uh, people will eat uh, ice cream uh, all day. The same is with books. I mean, even if you read stupid books, and if you read, I don't know, uh, stupid novels, it doesn't matter. I mean, just to get the habit of, uh, of reading, it will develop your capacity for abstraction. It will, it will help you see many other situations out of your life, and it will keep you away from the distractions of television and video games and this kind of stuff, because in the end, uh, I think it's critically important for adults and also for children uh, to get the habit of uh, reading on paper, or you can read on the computer, or you can read on the tablet, or even on the phone. But the habit of reading uh, will develop many skills, because it will help you um, learn, it will help you find information, it will help you to speak better, to think more clearly, it will help you to, to write uh, correctly and beautifully, and this is something that is underestimated. I mean, many people believe that uh, they can really learn something in four hours or in six hours by looking at some uh, blog article. <laughs> I mean, you can learn some things, but if you really want to, to develop overall your expertise and to develop your talent and your skills, reading books, I think, is, uh, is the best strategy because you will not be able to absorb uh, deep information if you just uh, listen to books or read the blogs. You really, have to, you really have to touch the paper and look at the pages and get the ideas in your head. And if I had uh, to give an advice to teenagers or children or mm-hmm. parents, get the habit of reading books because you will not get it later. Uh, if people get uh, used to spending all their time with video games or with the sports or whatever, it's very difficult to become a thoughtful person. So you think that one of the best things and parents or every person listening to us this particular moment is to develop the habit of reading and reading books. Yes, uh, reading books. And if you don't have books, at least read uh, magazines or newspapers, I mean, whatever you have. But um, by reading, you develop your taste. Because if you read, the, even if you read stupid novels, 
um, you will get eventually you will get bored and you will want to read uh, better books and better literature and you will be interested in uh, reading other books and it is like um, I would say like food I mean if you start uh, to learn to cook uh, at the beginning you only l learn the basics but then you become better and better and better and better and at a certain point you become really sophisticated as a cook and you really, you're really able to produce uh, great food. So with books and with ideas, it's the same. If you don't cultivate the habit of uh, reflection, of uh, comparison, of analysis, uh, you cannot get it from anywhere else. You will not get it from watching videos in YouTube. You will not get it from watching movies. It only comes from reading. Hmm. What about the, the pe those people who think that... Um the best way they, they can learn is by watching uh, like some tutorials or some video. What about them? Well, it's very, it's very good uh, to watch uh, tutorials and, uh, and, um, and videos when you want to learn uh, something specific. So if you want to learn, I don't know, um, how to put together a table uh, that you bought uh, and you don't know how to put it together or you want to learn how to use a specific uh, software tool, it's very good. I mean, you learned in 10 minutes and you get the detail, but it will not help you to develop a philosophy as a person. Mm. Because if you want to be able, I mean, the, the question is that uh, human beings, uh, the way we think, uh, we always try to think in principles. And we try to, uh, when we have a problem or we have to make a decision, we go to our principles and then we try to draw uh, a conclusion from the principles that applies to the specific case. And if you don't read a lot, you will not have principles. You will have uh, unconnected ideas and you will have, uh, I would say, um, a very confused um, philosophy of life. And this is very dangerous because uh, you will make many mistakes which are unnecessary. If you just bother to read what other people have done, you will avoid uh, making mistakes. And it is much more inexpensive to learn from other people, to learn from history, than to make yourself all the mistakes. Because what you can learn by watching a video five minutes, uh, you can learn some techniques, but you cannot develop a philosophy. Mm, so to develop a philosophy for life and for yourself, you must read books and read good content. Uh, yes, of course. I mean, it's always good also to listen to podcasts and, uh, and to listen to books. I mean, you should try to absorb information in any way you want. But um, I don't think... Um, there is any replacement for books. And if you take the example, for instance, of learning another language, which is, uh, is one of the most difficult and um, it seems very easy because you say, okay, everybody can learn his own language. But if you learn the second language or a third language or a fourth language, you realize that uh, the only way to become really proficient and to be able to appreciate the subtleties of the language is to read. Uh, because, yeah, you can listen, you can speak, you can get a good accent, but you will never really master the language unless you read uh, a lot because the human brain uh, only picks up uh, abstractions and really complex uh, constructions only from, from reading. Uh, otherwise, until a child gets to understand uh, the proper grammar in his own language, I mean, it takes 10 years. I mean, it's, even children who are listening to the language all the time until they speak correctly, it takes 10 years. Sometimes they never speak correctly. So you really have to read. Uh, whether you learn the language uh, in particular or whether you want to improve your career or your skills, 
uh, reading, even if you only read blogs because you have no books, uh, it's always good. Uh, much, much better than, uh, I tell you, uh, video games and uh, television and sports that consume uh, too much time and prevent people actually from thinking about uh, their lives. All right. Great, John. As he shares about the philosophy of builders and how to build a great future with the pieces from your past, that's from his book, John Vespasian. John, uh, what would be your last billion dollar advice to the world on the philosophy of builders from your book? Well, um, the, I would like to just to present um, uh, the idea that uh, you have to focus on real opportunities. And this is something that uh, in the book, I make a very strong point that um, wherever you live, uh, wherever you do, irrespective of your talent, you will always have opportunities because the markets are moving. We live, uh, thank God, in a, in a global market uh, that has a lot of opportunities for everybody and things will continue to improve in the future and thanks to technology, thanks to entrepreneurship, uh, thanks to uh, competition and there are always opportunities. But the idea I want to really stress in the book is that you have to focus on real opportunities. And many times people get uh, distracted with, um, with things that are obviously impossible or things that are ridiculously expensive, and they really underappreciate uh, the opportunities uh, they have uh, in front of them. And I present uh, many examples uh, in, in my book. But the idea is really super important because uh, it is much better to develop your career little by little by taking easy opportunities that you have uh, in front of you because at the end you will continue to improve year after year after year, it is much better to do that than to try to jump uh, from zero to 100 uh, to put yourself in a situation of high risk that could really destroy your life because it could really uh, lead you to bankruptcy or to lose your savings or to lose your reputation. So... I, I think this is a, the idea I would like to leave uh, your audience with. Uh, try to go for the opportunities you have in front of you. Take them, seize them, uh, profit from them, and then move to the next one. Don't go for the improbable possibilities because most of the time it's a waste of resources. All right, so go for opportunities. John Vespasian, thank you very much for your time. And where can audience get in touch with you? Well, it is very easy to find my books on my blog. My blog has uh, hundreds of articles that you can read. And there is also a free uh, ebook that you can download. Uh, it's very easy. You just type my name in Google, uh, John Vespasian, and uh, you will find everything in one second. John Vespasian, just type it on Google. John Vespasian, thank you very much for sharing with us the philosophy of builders how to build a great future with the pieces from your past and to get the book just go to amazon or just search for the name john vespasian for great content on to many thanks uh, bernard calvin has been a pleasure it is a pleasure i treasure